Anybody excited? Like, if, if you cannot sing Reckless Love and, like, get into the spirit, like, like something, check your pulse. Uh, great job, Michael and team, y'all killed it. Um, great job in worship this morning. So glad, started off a little rough at, for me this morning. Cannot find my wedding band. Um, woke up with potentially the worst headache that I've ever had and got here. And I'm telling you, like all of that, all the worries, all of that, like gone, headaches gone, God is good, God is good. So let's jump in. If you've got your Bibles, you know hopefully that we are in the book of Esther, all right? So um, find that, we're in Esther. Um, I'm gonna pick up a little bit in chapter three and then also in chapter four. But if you've been listening any at all to John, then you realize that for Esther, we are jumping in to her, uh, for her and her people. It's a time of great fear, uh, a time of pending doom. And so let's stand and honor the reading of scripture this morning. Esther, starting in chapter three, verse 12, and then we'll jump in to chapter four before we are done as well. Then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month, an edict according to all that Haman commanded was written to the king's satraps and to the governors over all the provinces and to the officials of all the peoples to every province in its own script and every people in its own language. Whew. It was written in the name of King Ahasuerus, I always say it wrong, and sealed with the king's signet ring. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers went out hurriedly by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. Chapter four, let's pick it up in verse one. When Mordecai learned all that had been done, Mordecai told his, uh, tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went up to the entrance of the king's gate, for no one was allowed to enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. And in every province, wherever the king's command and his decree reached, there was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting and weeping and lamenting, and many of them lay in sackcloth and ashes. So we see also that now it is a time for the Jews, a time of great mourning. We can also resonate with those Jews today who lost their friends, their brothers and sisters inside of that synagogue. So it's just a very timely happening with what we're talking about today. So let's go to the Father in prayer. God, this morning as we show up, as we have honored you in worship this morning, as we honor you in opening up your word, I pray that God this morning for those who are struggling, for those who are trying to figure out life circumstances and situations and where you are in the midst of all of it, I pray like you did for Mordecai and for Esther that you would just allow yourself to be found inside of those situations and that they would have all of the faith and all of the hope in knowing that you are in complete control even when it doesn't seem like it, even when it may not feel like it. 
God, would you be with our, our, our friends and families in Pittsburgh, those who lost loved ones, those who still have loved ones inside of a hospital setting. Would you heal? Would you bring the best doctors, nurses, physicians? I pray for those in that Jewish community that you would glue them together, that you would hold them so close to yourself, and that you would remind them even yet again this morning that you are on your throne. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for being in a radical pursuit of us from the get-go. We love you, we honor you. Thank you for all that we have because of you and your willingness not only to die, but to come back and now to live in us. We serve a risen Savior. And it's in his name that we all pray it. Everybody said amen. You may be seated, you may be seated. Can we say this about time? I believe there are 10 things that probably most all of us uh, would be able to agree with about time. Number one, it's one thing that we always want more of, right? Yesterday, you wanted a longer Saturday, amen? You wanted more, some of you men, you wanted more football. You wanted your team to have more time in that fourth quarter, maybe to pull out a victory. Number two, it's one thing that we all have the same amount of each day. Some of you, you think, I, I think, I used to grow up thinking, oh, they must have had way more time to do their homework. They must have had way more time to do this or to do that. We all have the same amount of time each day. It's the one thing that we're not guaranteed. And that's the one thing that I don't think that probably when the, that group of, of believers uh, in that synagogue, um, I, my bet is, is that they did not go in there thinking that this was their last day. None of us ever do, but, but we're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We're not guaranteed a next breath. We're not guaranteed those things. It's used, the word time is used over 680 times in scripture. I think God is trying to get our attention to help us to remember that time matters, what we do with time, where we spend our time like it matters. Solomon said he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. The wisest man ever to have been written about in scripture, man, he's even saying that time matters. What you do inside of the scope and that, that very short amount of time on this planet, it matters greatly. Steve Jobs said that it, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. But how many times do we look at somebody else's life and think, man, they, they must have it way better than I have it. Man, you, you see the address that they live in or the car that they drive and you think, man, they must have it all together. When if you were to see behind closed doors, man, even Steve Jobs didn't have it all together. We, none of us do. And so, man, when we begin to compare ourselves with other people, we're either gonna fail in comparison or we're gonna look good. But even in that, are we really looking good? Shakespeare said better three hours too soon than one minute too late. Even Shakespeare cared about time. Martin Luther King Jr. said the time is always right to do what is right. When it comes to a choice in your life to do the right thing, to stand up for what is right, or to do something that would take someone down a, a different and, and, and away from the truth kind of decision, and it's always right to do what is right. It always is good. And Jesus said, be on your guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. And that time is he's talking about is the time that God is going to give us the opportunity to come and live with him for all of eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for that day. 
I'm excited for that day when I turn on and I hear the news and I hear things of like this synagogue shooting, when I hear other things that are going on, just even at times the political climate, it's just like, Jesus, just come back. Just come back. And for some of you in this room, you're like, ooh, I've still got life to live. Whoa, <laughs> don't be praying for that. Sorry, I'm praying for that every day. I'm ready. I'm ready to not have to deal with a lot of the things that we have to deal with on this earth. I am ready to be in the presence of God. I'm ready to see my mom and dad again in heaven. I am ready for those things. And as believers, we all should be, but time matters and it's of the essence. Time is of the essence. When my mom, I've, she's the first person that I ever heard say, Kent, time is of the essence. What? Who is essence and why should I even care? Like I had no fat clue what she was talking about and then as she began to explain it a little bit more sternly, time is of the essence. What do you mean, mom? I mean do it now. Like there's some things in our lives that God, he, he's tired of you praying for them. He is tired of you praying for this or for that. He is ready and what we're gonna see with Esther, he is ready for you to get up off of your knees and to move and to go and take whatever it is that he's called you to take. He's asking you to move into action. He's asking you to quit talking about it and to put feet, arms, legs, hands, and all of that into action and to do it. Time is of the essence. It's literally an expression used. It's something to say, hey, it's time to take haste. It's time to move forward. It's time to get up off the couch and to do something about it. So time is of the essence, and it really is as we see it for our friend Esther. I'm certain that most of you ladies in here, like Esther, you're like, Esther, woo! Like, there's so much in here, not just for the ladies in the room, but even for the men. There's the story of Mordecai and just his adoption of and taken in, and then now we see Esther that God has placed her in this great spot to be able to take on a very huge challenge. So, let's jump in. Here's the beautiful piece of it. It's, it's a time uh, for great truth. Cool thing is, is that Esther, she was a woman of truth and she wanted to know the truth. She did. Look at, uh, look at uh, chapter four, verse four. We see the stress and fear uh, coming in, beginning to creep into our life. What happens to you when stress and fear creep in? Well, I think there's two options a lot of the time. It either causes us to, to cling tighter to our savior Hold on for dear life, please, oh dear Lord, help me, Jesus, take the wheel. Or it pushes us further away from him. And I don't know which person you are in here. I don't know if, if, if you're like, Jesus, man, you're great when I'm at church, but man, when I'm at work, I don't feel you, I don't sense you. Man, we need to get to that place in our relationship that no matter what, man, you always sense, you always feel, you always know that he's at work even in the chaos at times. Stress and fear go to the source of truth. Chapter four, verse four. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her the queen was deeply distressed, she sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, uh, sackcloth, but he would not accept them. He is in such a state in his stress, in his worry, in his fear, in his sadness and sorrow. Man, he's not even accepting these clothes from his queen. And so, man, you see this opportunity that's arising. Then Esther called in verse five, called for Hathak, one of the king's eunuchs, one who was, uh, had been appointed to attend her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Man, there were some great things about my mom, but my mom, sometimes she would go around about ready to, to go off if she needed to. 
Like she was a praying woman, but if, if there was ever anything that was said crossways about her kids or about her husband, about her church, like you just, you got, like you got attack dog Sally. Like she was just ready to jump in. And, and I think so often, man, we can do that, right? Like we have that righteous indignation, uh, this righteous anger about something. And, and without knowing some of the details, sometimes we just leap in. Sometimes we lash out, sometimes we get angry, and sometimes we don't know all of the details, but not with Esther. She wanted to know, um, she wanted to know why, she wanted to know the how, the when, she wanted to know all of those things. And Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. So Mordecai, he knows it all. And the cool thing is, is where does Esther go to in this time? And this person who's raised and, and helped and, and, and got her to this place of, uh, of, of where she's at now, Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree used in Susa for their destruction that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and to plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathak went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. I mean, she learned the what and the why that she was looking for in verse five, before she ever went out the door, before she ever launched into anything, before she went into a smear campaign, before she did anything else. I mean, she got to the heart of the why and the where and the, all of those details that she knew. And the, pool, the really cool thing is she knew exactly where she needed to go to get all of those things. So a uh, beautiful picture here. It's a time of great truth. And, and Esther was a, a woman of great truth, but it's also a time of great influence. When was the last time that you used your spiritual influence to help engage someone in something bigger than themselves? Like you pulled something out of somebody that you were like, man, uh, thank you God, because I didn't know I had that ability to use my influence and to use the uh, even scripture that I've known. Man, when you do those things, like you are never more like your savior than when you serve someone else, when you encourage them, when you help them. And, and it's, it's a beautiful opportunity here because man, she wants wisdom, right? She's seeking it and so she looks for this influence and she understands, she, she's beginning to to see what kind of influence that she has. But here's what influence is. It's the capacity or power of a person or thing to be a compelling force and to produce effects on someone or something else. So my bet is, is that if you are inside of a family that you have, you have sway, you have influence, you have the opportunity to, to use your influence for great things, to be able to advise and encourage, uh, to be able to say, hey, maybe you shouldn't do those things right now, maybe right now is not God's timing, whatever the case, but, but I'm challenging you thinking through, man, let's use Thanksgiving, let's use Christmas, when we got all the family members coming in or we get to go and hang out, what are some ways that you can influence them in a godly way? Man, influencers always count the cost. They always count the cost. Man. Here's what may happen if I do use my influence, but here's what's gonna happen if I don't. If I don't encourage them, if I don't begin to help point them the way, here's the deal, uh, parents of teenagers, if you don't stay on them at times, man, the influence of the world around them can easily take them, distract them, and take them to a place that you never wanted to. You are still the greatest influencers of your kiddos, whether you believe it or not, whether they tell you you are or not, you are still the greatest influence on their lives. So use that influence in a very positive way. Intervention sometimes comes 
with being an influencer. Sometimes you've got to intervene. Sometimes you get to step in and you get to help in that. Uh, maybe you are part of a connection class or you're a director, uh, teacher, whatever, and maybe you had couples in your class and, and they began to part ways or began to disagree. I uh, walked out into my cul-de-sac yesterday and, and I love my neighbors, they are amazing, but, uh, but they were both talking about something from two different points of view, had a different take on it, and so as soon as I'm just taking out my trash, you're like, Kent, tell us what you think about this. I'm like, it's Saturday, y'all. <laughs> day off, right? But I love them enough to hear both of their sides once you could actually get them to stop talking and at each other. It was hilarious, but, but to be able to intervene on behalf of people and to influence. And so, man, Esther's gonna be called on to intervene on behalf of a whole nation, literally. A huge amount of people. And I don't know at this point in time if she understands it all, but it's all coming to her. But, but to come between disputing people, disputing groups, it's crazy to me that she's getting this opportunity. Be careful who influences you. <laughs> Be careful who influences. In high school, I've told our students this, I had um, one friend, Guy, uh, I won't say his last name, but I had one friend, Guy, and Guy influenced me in so many of the ways that I probably should not have gone. And then I had my friend, Jill, and Jill influenced me always into the right and good things. And the one night uh, that I chose to step outside of what my parents would want me to do, the one night in my whole life that I ever tasted alcohol or whatever, um, Jill found out that I was with Guy and crew and Jill told my youth pastor. So Friday night that happens, Saturday morning I get a phone call from my youth pastor. Guess who the youth pastor's secretary is? My mom. <laughs> so at the end of my conversation with our youth pastor, here's what he said, either you tell your mom or I will. Ugh. But if I just would have cared about who the influencers were in my life, if I would have been hanging out more on the Jill side of things, and maybe at that point in time in life, not the guy side of things, that would have been a completely different night for me. I, I wholeheartedly believe it. But you've got to be caring about those people who are influencing. Man, you got people, if you listen to talk radio in the mornings, man, you could be influenced one complete, like it could shoot your whole day, like you just, Oh, the whole world is all gonna die, it's all horrible. But, but man, if you will turn on and actually listen to some worship music, I know that my days are completely different when I choose to listen to talk radio on any given morning and I choose to listen to worship on my way to work. Like, traffic doesn't matter near as much when I'm worshiping. But when I listen to talk radio and I hear about the planet and what's going on in it, I'm like, come on! Like you, you just jump into society and what's going on around you. Be careful who is influencing. But look at Mordecai's influence on her. Verse 13, a call for wisdom. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. There's your voice of reason. There he is beginning to, to, to get to the heart of the matter. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Man, that's a verse that we've all kind of grown up and we've known. We're like, man, is this my time? Is this my time? Every day, every moment is your time. 
And if you are plugged into the Father, if you've been greatly influenced by him in times of worship, by him in times of Bible study, you have spent time in prayer with him, then every moment of your life can be that time and God can use you. It's way easier for God to use you when you are physically, mentally, spiritually prepared than when he has to go through a whole process of intervening with you, getting some people to come alongside you, trying to help you get to this place. Man, he is ready to use you way more than you are ready to be used by him two people in room but that's all of us like that's all of us like so often he is way more ready to use you than you are ready to be used by him it's crazy to me that here comes this incredible opportunity here's what Esther needed to be reminded here's what I needed to be reminded probably not y'all y'all are way more spiritual than me but these are some things that I was reminded in studying this whole thing with Esther. Number one, our position in the palace is not nearly as potent as our position in God's presence. Let me say it one more time. Our position in the palace is not nearly as potent as our position in God's presence. Had she stayed in the palace, maybe she could have saved her own life, but probably not. If she hadn't have been forthright in saying where she came from and where she's going and what she wants to do, completely different story. But she understood that God's presence and who she was in him was way more important than where she had arrived at inside the palace. Is your position, your career, your connection with people more important than your place in God's presence? Because if it is, Power, positions, all of those things can easily be taken away if we're not more worried about who we are in God's presence. What he calls us, a child of God, an heir to the throne. Man, we are, we're a child of the king. Like, we, we really are. We are royalty. Like, we get the opportunity. We don't, we don't have to come to church. Like, we get to come to church. We don't have to go and do uh, evangelism times. Like, we get to do that. Like, it's so much better when we have the right mindset, the right attitude, and we go about it, and we care more about his presence in our lives. Number two, Jesus gave up his position in the palace to save us from our sin. He left riches to redeem us. I mean, if you remember that scene in the garden, he said, not my will, but your will be done. When my dad was going through some cancer, um, when we would go in, my dad would go and do his, his cancer treatment and my mom and my brother and I, we would go to the uh, little gift store that was there next to it. And there was this picture of these, uh, you saw them, there's like uh, three angels and they were kind of clustered over here and then over on the hill, um, there, there was the three crosses. And so it was, my mom would tell the stories like these angels were just waiting for the moment for Jesus who was on that cross to say, hey, come take care of business. Let's fix this thing, let's do this. It's just a beautiful picture that, that, that Jesus had everything at his fingertips. He had the command of all of the angels. He had all of the power to stop what was going on, but he understood that his position was way more important, that your sin needed a payment for it. He was way more uh, down with fixing you than getting out of that situation. It's a beautiful picture of what redemption really, really is. Tells us of this in Philippians 2. Starting in verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is who took your place. That is who stepped out of heaven and died on the cross for you. If he can go through all of those things, he gives you the same power to be able to go through whatever it is that you're going through in life right now. And he's the same one, although Jesus has not shown up on the scene uh, in earthly form yet, he's the same one who's gonna give Esther the power to be able to do what she's got to do. Number three, a time for great movement. A time for great movement. I alluded to that earlier. Movement is of the essence. Look in 16. Go gather all of the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Here is the queen. Here she is. She is moving. She's taking on what she knows she needs to do. And do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. And y'all know how hard it is to go that long without eating something. And she's calling all of her people to do this. And there's gotta be a really good reason for me not to eat. A really, really good reason. And my bet is, is that these people are the same way, but now they're hearing from their, I, am, I, uh, I and my young women will also fast as you do. So here's the queen taking on the exact same role and doing the exact same. She's not asking all of those people around her to do something that she's not willing to do herself. Movement, gathering, strength in numbers. I mean, so often we would rather not share what's going on in our lives because we don't want to seem weak to those around us. And that's what connection is uh, in, in all of those departments up there. It should be more about me being vulnerable and, and, and having a group of people and connecting with them more so than just spiritual depth and more biblical knowledge. And some of you are like, what? We need that too. But there's gotta be a connection among God's people so that we can come together in times like this to say, I'm struggling, I need help. Hey, my kids are, are, are doing this and, and I need help with that. There's got to be that in the house of God. But she's saying, hey, prayer is of the essence. The greatest movement in the right direction always begins and ends and every point in between with prayer. So whatever it is that you're struggling with right now, if it's not big enough that you've got to pray about it, it's not big enough in your life and you probably shouldn't complain about it. But the things that are really kicking you, the things that are really beating you down, if you haven't started praying about it, you better be getting on your knees about it because the greatest things that are going to be moving in your life are gonna begin with prayer. The word pray is used 316 times in scripture. Prayer, 154. Praying, 22 times. Fast, 132. Fasting, 24 times. Supplication, big word, pray for others, five times. Petition, 10 times. Thanksgiving, 18 times in the New Testament. Praise, 23 times. Combining prayer and fasting, six times. Together, over 100, 100 uh, over 700 different references about praying and fasting and moving, communicating, having time with the Lord. And then you see in Philippians chapter four, verse six, do not be anxious about anything. What are you anxious about today? What are those things that have all of your attention, has maybe even robbed your affection? What are those things that you're sweating so very much about? It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, 
adding on to that thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. How many of you say, man, I really want to see the peace of God in my life? Nobody in the room, awesome. It's a great church we have here, just kidding. We all want peace, like we all want God to give us peace in our lives, but he's calling us to be that. And that only happens when, when we're at peace with God, when we're spending time with him. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And if you're confused, you're worried, you're fearful right now, this, this peace of God, it's what surpasses all understanding and it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Beautiful promise in scripture, it will guard your heart. It's also time for great execution. Can't just talk about it, can't just pray about it. It's a time for great execution. 16b, then I will go to the king though it was against the law and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Great leadership always calls for great execution. Here's the crazy thing is, is that her great execution could have called for her execution. I would venture to say that there aren't very many of us in here that the things that God are calling us to do, the things that we need to do, could end in our pending death. So anything short of that, we should be able to handle, right? Should be. But sometimes we as believers, we're some of the most pansy people on the planet. One thing goes wrong, curveball comes at us, oh, the sky is falling, oh, it's all ended. Man, you've got to have more faith and more trust in your God than those things. You've got to, you've got to, got to, got So Esther's I wills shows great servant leadership. I will go to the king. I will go against culture. I will go even against the law, and I will go to my grave if I have to. Man, that kind of spiritual direction is what God is looking for. Those people who will say, I will, no matter what, I will. I will serve you, I will follow you, I will do whatever it is that you're calling me to do. I will continue to do that no matter what comes my way. That's endurance, that's perseverance, and that's what the Christian life should be all about. What are you willing to do uh, with the leadership that God's given you? What are you willing to do? Some of you are like, man, I don't know what God's doing in my life. Let me ask you this. Have you ever come to that place where you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you've never come to that place where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, there has been no step forward in showing your faith. It all begins when you place all of your faith and all of your heart and all of who you could be, wanna be, and all that, when you place all of that and be identified with Jesus Christ in his death, his burial, and resurrection. That's where it all begins. Leadership lessons from this. Leadership is not standing above people to enjoy a position. Leadership is not saving one's life at the expense of others. John Piper said spiritual leadership is knowing where God wants people to be and taking the initiative to get them there by God's means and reliance on God's power. Maybe it is that you're trying to do it all in your own strength and all in your own power. This is never gonna happen for Esther in her own strength and in her own power. Esther was a forerunner to our Redeemer. She was willing to give her life for others. Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 26, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And she said, I need to do this. She was at liberty to save her own life, yet she chose to save a nation. Jesus in Mark chapter 10, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Number three, 
She is still a constant example that God will use anyone willing, male or female, to be used for his purpose and to live for his glory. Paul to the Ephesians, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Your first steps in having the same kind of impact on people that Esther did is placing all of your faith and all of your trust in Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, for me, I, I just gotta be honest, for me, the, this satellite option, uh, man, it, the nerves and, and all of that, but, but launching something that's so completely new and different. Like for me, for my family, like we really are, we're stepping out in faith in this. I've done nothing but student ministry my whole life since college, that, that's it. And so I'm stoked on life about it because it's new, it's new territory. And so man, it takes more prayer, it takes more, uh, more trust, it takes so much more maybe than what something that I've just been doing and maybe even at times, maybe even routine throughout the years. But what is it that God's calling you to? That's something that he's calling me to, and some of you, uh, we start next week, uh, we start next week with some of our training and stuff, and I'm so stoked on life, but, but there are things in your own life, maybe even in your own home at work, that God's calling you to. Your first step is the most important one, and it's to say yes, whatever it is that God wants you to do. And we'll see the story of Esther unfold over the next couple of weeks. And man, it's a, just an incredible story. God's redemption, God's using his people don't you wanna be at the end of your time, don't you want to be counted as one who was used for his kingdom? And as you bow your heads and you close your eyes, there's so much to think about in this. So much to think about with the current state of affairs. I just want you to know that um, here in just a few moments, we will have uh, our prayer counselor team uh, here. They would love to welcome you. They would love to pray for you. If you're here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, they would love to help walk you through that. You're here this morning, you would say, man, I want to jump into a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. I wanna get plugged in. They can help you with that process as well. So as they make their ways up here right now, I'm just gonna ask you, bow your heads, close your eyes, and, and let me just say, today is the day. The Bible is very emphatic that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God wants you to do what he's been asking, telling you to do for a really long time. So what is it? Allow these people the grand luxury of just being able to read the book of your life to say, hey, how can I pray for you? This church would love nothing more than to come alongside you and to help you with all of those next steps that you have. There's some amazing places for you to be able to plug in. If you're uh, here today for the first time and you wanna hear more about what the church is, I would love to uh, shake your hand and uh, Brian Cox would love to talk to you in our guest reception area. But whatever the case may be, here in the next few minutes, there will be some who will take the, this time to run to Cheddar's and that's awesome, church is over. But there are also those of you who need to take the time and come forward and take the hands of one of these prayer counselors and just say, hey, I need help with this. Fill in the this. So honored that you would be here. Let's pray together. If you're sitting by a loved one and you know, uh, man, it is time for us to move together and, and do whatever God has next, just take them by the hand and let's just say, hey, let's do this together. That's your act to say to them today. Um, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm in this with you. Let's do what's next together. God, this morning, God, for those who are in this room who have yet to take their first steps with you, yet who have been wondering where are you, 
What can I do for you? Maybe today was just that call on their lives to be able to say, hey, it is that time for you to trust me with your whole life and that you would then begin to move in their lives in such a way that they would understand and they would move today to say, I'm ready. For others in this room who just need to say, man, I'm ready to do the next steps that you've got for me. I'll trust you. I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do. I pray that today that they would put their yes on the table. They would join others in saying, man, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice, I'm gonna be glad, but I'm gonna move and I'm gonna do exactly what it is that you called me to do. We trust you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for us. More than that, thank you for giving us life and life abundantly. It's in your name we pray it all. Amen.